Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul, and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got you, sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. Welcome, Lauren Monty, to the Hot Mess Goddess podcast. I always just call you Monty. It's such a thrill to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like Monty is my real name. <laughs> so do I, actually. Ah, <laughs> oh, welcome. I just read through your bio because I hadn't seen it before 10 minutes ago. And oh my gosh, it gave me chills. Mm, thank you. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself? Oh, I've had a huge journey with trying to figure out who I am and and what I'm here to do and what I'm here to share and all of that. And when I left high school, I spent six years working in the corporate world as a learning and development facilitator and was running a multi-million dollar call center by the age of 24. And then I had my really big spiritual awakening and it was like my soul kicked me right out of the industry. (laughs) As it does. Oh, it was huge. And then I found myself working in a little hippie shop for the next 10 years, learning all about intuition and spirit and self-development. And I'm also an artist and I've always been really creative. So I've kind of come to this place where I've tried to force myself down so many different paths. And I'm at this place where I'm like, oh, I'm just a creator. Like I, I'm here to create, I'm here to create content that's going to inspire people, whether that be in video form or my podcast or my artwork. And it just feels really nice to be at this place where I'm like, oh, okay, I get to fully own that and not try and box myself into a label just for the sake of being easy to understand by the rest of society. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you are speaking to my fucking soul right now. Because I've been down that, it's like even still, I still get caught up in that, oh gosh, am I a copywriter? What should I be doing? You know, because mm. I play with words in so many different ways as well, like your art. Mm. And I've loved watching your journey through this, but it's so relatable because we're not just meant to be doing one thing. We are multi-dimensional fucking beings that are meant to play here. Exactly, exactly. And you know, we, we come from a society that has trained us to try and compartmentalize everything, including our multidimensional selves. And we also live in a time where we get to do whatever the hell we want. Like, yeah, it's so magic. You know, all the structure in our world is currently going into complete chaos and falling down around us. And so what better time to really lean into our creative spirits than a space where we can literally create whatever we want. Ah, so much. Mm. And so how has this looked for you? Because it's not, it's not easy to get to that place of realization. Well, I, oh, I've tried being a practitioner when I left high school at the same time as working in corporate, I did most of a diploma of energetic healing. So I am trained as a healer and a massage therapist and all of that. And so I tried doing that for a while and was like, I'm not here to be like one-on-one with people. I'm you know, I've got five planets in Aquarius. So I'm like, I'm here for humanity. Let's fucking go. Yeah. (laughs) And then I tried to follow my career as an artist. 
I spent years um, live painting at festivals and exhibiting and selling my art. And as soon as I put that amount of pressure on my creativity to like my artistic expression specifically to be my main source of income, it's like my creativity went and completely shut down. Yeah, I so feel that. (laughs) And then I've spent the last few years trying to force myself to be like a coach or a mentor or this or that and just especially being in the online space, you know, it seems like every other person is a coach or has a program or is doing a thing. And yeah, so I tried to fit into that box and it's really only been in the last few months that I've started going back into my art and starting my podcast and I'm about to launch a YouTube channel and just having other people around me and mentors like, you know, Blue Cosmic Eagle and Adam Roll and all these people who I just adore showing me what's possible if we just allow ourselves to be all of it. And they've just been such a huge permission slip for me to expand into all the different aspects of my own creativity. Yeah, so much so. I love, absolutely love Blue and Adam for the same reasons. And oh my gosh, it's been a journey for me the last few months as well. Exactly the same, although I haven't quite come to that point. I've I've still felt some stuckness, but then that's one of my gene keys is being stuck. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey through that jinky as well as to the unraveling of that and just breathing deeper, even for Mm. me is a simple thing. So, yeah, Yeah. I so feel that. But when you were coaching, like you were coaching one-on-one were you and then doing programs and things. Yeah. 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 So I've had a few one-on-one clients and I do love it, but I just, I so much prefer working with groups. So I've just sort of stepped into my role as a facilitator as well with one of my best friends. We've gone into business together, holding space and containers and doing cacao ceremonies and embodied dance. And that has just lit up this other part of me because when I was in the call center industry, that's what I did. I did facilitation and I won awards and it just came so naturally to me. But after leaving the corporate world, I had so many wounds around that kind of work and even things like sales and even making money because I was earning like $150,000 a year, but it was soul destroying work. And so I've had this narrative in my head that says you can earn lots of money, but not doing what you love. Oof. And how have you worked through that one? Oh, it's, it's ongoing. It's so, it's so still there for me. And so I'm in this place now where I, I know, like my soul knows it's been calling me towards podcasting and YouTube videos for the last five years. And I've been going, what if I do this thing or do this other thing? Like they all seem so much easier than overcoming my fear of being seen and heard and stepping into the spotlight in that way. And so on a soul level, I know that that's leading me towards the breakthrough when it comes to finances and abundance, but it's still very much in this raw state where, you know, I'm, I'm living on government benefits. I'm living with my parents. And at the same time, I feel like something so much bigger than me is being birthed in this moment as I surrender and, and show up for the things that my soul is saying, go this way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mm. I feel like I'm in the midst of my origin story. Like it's just, it's happening right now. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what? I think that's just the way it is. That is life. You're always in the midst of your origin story because you're always growing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I've felt like that for the last 10 years or more. Yeah. Wow. 
And my life's work gene key is um, number 49, which is the shadow of reaction, the gift of revolution and the city of rebirth. So it's like I'm constantly revolutionizing and rebirthing myself over and over and over again. So it's just the next layer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes so much sense for you to say that. For sure. And our lives are such a freaking mirror. Mm. Like I'm sitting here going, you're kidding me. Because I lived in my parents' shed <laughs> two years ago for a couple of years. It took yeah, me right. probably well over two years to have the courage to actually create my podcast when it came to me that that's what I needed to do. Two mm. years of resistance and feeling stuck that I couldn't do it. Mm. Even though like, and not that you need microphones and stuff like that, but I had it all from when I worked in radio. I had everything sitting there that I possibly could ever need. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, who am I to do that? Or it's too hard. I had a story that everything's too hard. And that's what kept me stuck from doing things. And then when I just step over that, maybe I'll just try something first. Oh, fuck, that wasn't so hard after all. And that seems to be a big pattern for me. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And that's so funny because one of my first memories of you was in the Unify container and it was you sharing a live and expressing that that was such an edge for you and you had so much fear around it. And then I watched over the next few weeks of how you just cracked open from that space of stepping into that resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Goosebumps actually remembering that because after that space, I got stuck again. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I might've done one live since then. Yeah. It's that, that being seen exactly. I'm happy to be heard. I was in radio for gosh, eight years or something like that. Mm -hmm. As a newsreader, not expressing myself, I was telling morbid stories every day, but you know, that being heard was okay. Mm -hmm. But being seen, fuck, that's a new level altogether. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. So this is actually, I've just launched my podcast in the last few weeks and it's the third podcast that I've launched. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I just didn't follow through on the other two. But really the thing that's been calling my soul is video. And even looking back through my life, like when I was little, I wanted to be a famous actress. I was always in the drama club. I did dancing forever. Then I wanted to be a TV chef. Then I went into corporate and I was like, you know, doing sales training. So I was like the teacher. And it's always been this part of me that's like a performer. But at the same time, I've had a huge journey with body image and body shame. And that wound has kept me stuck for so long. And it continues to be something that I bump into I was reflecting the other day because I've started recording videos and I have about a hundred <laughs> like 15 second to 30 second clips of me in many different outfits over many, many months of like setting the camera up and getting everything ready and then not following through. Wow. And so I actually want to weave them all together into a small clip and do a post about this is what fear looks like. You know, it was me going, okay, I'm going to do the thing and then getting too stuck in my head and judging how I looked or judging how I was speaking and then going, oh, no, it's, it's too much. It's not safe. But it's like the more that we step into that space of, okay, I'm resisting but I'm going there, it's like we breathe into the next edge. And so... After months of doing that, I finally was like, okay, this time, this time it's it. Like I'm actually going to hit record and I'm going to do the thing. And even now, you know, I've got two videos ready to go and I'm still in that space of like, oh, actually putting them out there feels so raw. 
And it's like, all I need to do is edit them and put them up. It's that's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but being a voice on a podcast feels so much safer. Oh, it absolutely does. When you messaged this morning saying like, are we actually doing video here? I'm going, fuck. Because that was something that I said I would do. My next podcast, I'm actually going to share the video of. And I'm just going, oh, no, I got bedhead, like not, not happening. And there's always an excuse for me to not, because that's my plan too, is to not the entire podcast maybe, but to put snippets of, you know, some awesome parts of it onto YouTube and share the mm. video or yeah, I don't know. There's something that I need to be doing with video. Anyway, I've had that call, but I don't do it. So it's it's fucking real, that fear. Oh, it's so real. It's so real because especially like, you know, I've just finished a five-day like YouTube impact challenge to learn all, all about how to actually set it up as a business. And I'm listening to all the other participants talking about, oh, I'm going to do like a car channel or a health channel or a fitness channel. And I'm like, I'm going to share my heart and soul. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like which is just... way more interesting for me personally. But there well, you me go. Me too, me too. But it's like if I had a specific skill that I was, you know, sharing, that in itself feels much more safe than I'm just pouring my whole heart and soul and my lived experience and everything that I've learned into some form of consumable content for people in the hope that it's going to help someone else's journey. <sighs> It's big. <laughs> yeah, it is. And good on you for even taking that step. Because for me personally, it's like, oh, no, I don't have a fear. Like I tell myself, there's no fear there. I just don't know how to edit video. Or, you know, there's always some kind of excuse. But if I got over that part of it, I'm sure the fear would kick in. But the excuses are in the way of the fear almost. Oh, absolutely. But it's like you can slowly dismantle those. So I had a really funny experience, I think it was last week, where I'd filmed some content and I was trying to edit it. I think it was for the podcast, actually. And I was just about to bleed. So I had all this extra tension in my system and I was like struggling with the technology side, which is I wouldn't say is one of my areas of genius. But when you're birthing something, it's like, you get to be every single department of that yep. creation. You know, you're the editor, you're the producer, you're the main star, like it's it's all the different hats. And then my next door neighbour started whippersnippering and mowing his lawn and it was just like this onslaught of noise and I was like, right, that's it, I'm, I'm walking away, I need to just get out of here. So I, I took myself to the beach and went for a massive walk and then I came back and I just like, watched a YouTube tutorial on how to do the thing that I was trying to do. And then I did it. And I was like happy dancing in my room. because so I was like, oh my God, like that was so challenging for me, but I figured it out and I pushed through and I did the thing. And now I know how to do the thing. <laughs> yeah. And I love those signs too. Like you were sitting there and your body wasn't feeling like this is what I want to be doing right now, but you were trying to actually push through that. And then the universal signs, the neighbor whippersnips and goes, get the fuck out of here. You're not <laughs> listening to yourself. <laughs> totally, totally. Go and get some nature vibes. <laughs> and it was like as soon as I was out in the sunshine and walking, my whole nervous system just went, oh, like that's so much better. And then so, of course, when I did come back to it, it was just like this beautiful flow. And it's so funny how much we do that. Like we sit in that, no, I've got to get the thing done and do the thing. And 
the quote that keeps coming up for me at the moment, which feels so true, and it's one of the universal laws, is that the more I give, the more I receive. Yeah. And in my head, I'd sort of warped that to be the more I produce, the more I receive. Oh, interesting one. Yeah. And I, it was only this morning that I realized that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been saying that I can receive when I'm producing a certain amount and putting it out into the world. That's what giving was in my head. And it's like, oh, okay, no, this is like, it's the energy of giving, the energy of emanating a certain frequency out into, you know, the whatever. That's how we receive. Yeah. And I love that you've brought it back to energy because before when you were resisting the video, it was aligning your energy to bring you back into that space to be able to do it with much more ease and flow. And then talking about the energy of giving and receiving, like it all comes down to freaking energetics every time. Totally. hundred percent. I just, I love that because sometimes we think we're giving and we have resentment to the giving or we have like the energy on the frequency we're putting out when we give. Oh, this is fucking hard, but I need to get it fucking done. And that's the energy that you're putting out there. Exactly. What the fuck do you expect? (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that Adam Rower taught me is that whatever we create holds the frequency with which we create it. And so it's that moment of clarity of like, oh, what am I actually, what is what is my intention with this? Is it to just get it done and get it out? Or is it to make it something that's actually going to enhance people's lives? For sure. And to have no judgment around that too, because like sometimes I'm writing poetry and I think, how the fuck is this helpful to anyone? You know, that it's just words that are helping me get through whatever I'm getting through right now. It's poetry is a way for me to process emotions Mm -hmm. because I tend not to express them physically. Like most people say I'm the calmest, cruisiest person they've met because I often hold so much within my body, I don't let it out. So for me growing up, that was my way of expressing and getting those emotions out was always onto paper. Mm -hmm. And so every song I've written, everything I've done is is part of my own processing. And so I think, well, that's personal. Like, how is that helping anyone? But then I also think about it in the sense of, well, if I'm processing my own shit, of course that's helping. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I was just, but even if you don't ever share that with anyone, it's still helping because it's bringing you back to your center so that you can step into the other things that you do put out into the world with a different vibration. Yeah. It's so funny the stories we tell ourselves. Isn't it? It's fucking ridiculous. So talk to me about, because I know that you've experienced all of this yourself, what it looks like when you work on yourself. Like how does that benefit? Because so many people go, oh, I'm so sick of working on myself. Like what is the point? It just more shit keeps coming up. Like, you know, what am I really here to be doing? I don't think it's separate. So I'm here for the revolution. And I think the revolution is that we are slowly changing the world from the inside. Mm, and that for us to create true freedom and liberation on this planet, we have to create it within ourselves first. Freedom from all those bullshit stories that have told us we're not good enough, that have told us we shouldn't make the video, have told us to not show up and be seen, all of that. Because I think of it like, like a cut. If you get a cut on your body, it takes every single cell of that cut to heal in order for that wound to seal up. And that's what we're doing. 
you know, we're doing it collectively, we're doing it as a group, we're doing it individually. And that means that even on an an energetic level. So if we talk about womb work, for example, of like clearing out all the old energy on our maternal line so that it's not held in our womb. If I didn't do that and a child came into my womb, that's receiving the energetic imprint of all that trauma and pain and wounding I just held in my womb. But if we're actually removing it, then it doesn't get transferred into the next generation. So it's like, for me, it takes that zooming out. Like it's so easy to get tunnel vision and be like, I'm just focusing on me and it's all too much and I'm sick of it. But to step back and look at that wider view, um, I actually had this experience. It was just after COVID started last year and I had this moment where I was like, I'm so sick of focusing on myself. Like I'm focusing on my goals and my body and my health and my income and my business and me, 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 me. Yeah. (laughs) And so I sat down and I wrote out my vision for the whole world. I was like, well, why does any of this matter? If the whole world is fucked, then none of this matters. (laughs) So I wrote my big vision of like, I want to live in a world where everyone is thriving and, you know, the environment is thriving and everyone is living in that space of joy and bliss and sharing their magic and unapologetically expressing and all of that. And so now that's how I set my goals. So I sit down and I write the big vision And then I go, well, who do I need to be to serve that vision? And then what do I need to do to become that person? And then I set my goals. And it's just flipped it so much for me because it's like, oh, it's not just about me, you know? And I think we're in this space of realizing that that's what we have to do. Like the whole world needs to come together. We can't keep trying to go it alone. And, you know, I'm such, such a lone wolf for so much of my life. Like I've got to do the thing and I've got to make it work and I have to do it on my own. Otherwise I've failed somehow. And it's just like, no. So yeah, there's a very long answer. (laughs) They're the ones I love because so many of us get to that place where God, am I being self-obsessed? You know, is all this personal development just one big self-obsession that's quite selfish? Like, that again, it's a story. Everything is a story. But I love that advice you gave because it's the practical stuff that we need when we're listening to these things that like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but what can I do? Like, how do I help myself? And you've just given a really beautiful way mm-hmm. for that to to just change perspective for people. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. It's for me, it's taken something that I feel is really masculine and like, you know, traditional self-development is very like you set your goals and your timeframes and then you do the thing and it's, it's not one or the other. It's about how do we blend? Like, I feel like for so long, spirituality has gone one way and self-development's gone the other. And now it's like, well, how do we bring them back together so that we can weave with the feminine and the masculine to be in that space of allowing and creativity and nurturing of the feminine and then the inspired action and the like bringing it into the physical that is the awakened masculine. Oh yeah. I love it. Cause I was in personal development, like banging my head against Mm. a wall almost in personal development. As much as it was creating change in my life, it was a slow process because I had so much resistance to that, set your goals, do this, take the action. And it was the action that I wasn't doing, even though that was 
them, you know, what everyone's saying. You want to succeed in this, then, you know, you're standing in your own way. Get out of your own way. And it's like, yeah, I know that, but I, I, I am stuck. There's the stuck word again. I don't know how. It doesn't feel good on the inside. And yeah, there was a massive piece missing until I started doing women's circles and experiencing a whole different side of personal development that I didn't even know existed. And then, then I got way down the feminine path of I'm just in flow and nothing was really happening at all, but I was feeling good. And um, yeah, so it is, it's that, it's bringing all that together. Yeah. Cause when we, when we go too far into the spiritual, it becomes the ungrounded feminine. That's just like, wow, fuck everything, <laughs> which I experienced. So when I left the corporate world, that's what I did. And I went completely the other way and I had a great time, but nothing was progressing in my life because I was in that really ungrounded space of just too much flow. And so it's, I think about it like water, like if waves crash on the beach, the water just goes everywhere. But if you dig a channel for it to flow through, then it can gain momentum. And so it's kind of like the masculine is the the bed of the river and then the feminine is the water. So it's still flowing, but it has some form of direction. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. My beautiful friend Bron, who's been on this podcast, said exactly the same thing in, in our group the other day about having this river and you can still kind of splash about in there and go to either side, but you're still flowing down with some kind of direction. And it yeah. made so much sense. She said it doesn't have to be so structured because some of us don't like that much structure in our lives, but we actually need some or Mm. we're just all over the place flailing. And yeah, that's been a big part of my life is just doing a hundred different things at once and never really getting anywhere. Mm, I totally relate to that. Totally relate to that. But it's been like the more I sit with the big vision, what world do I want to live in and what role do I want to play in that? It's almost as though the more I tune into that and like clarify it, it's like it is communicating with me back through time. So it's in the future where it's already been birthed and it's happening and it's calling back to me and saying, take this step and then do this and then do this and then do this. And so it's it's kind of that flow between the intuition and listening to that and then taking the inspired action. But when we're too off in the feminine, we miss the action. And when we're too far in the masculine, we're just doing without the intuition. And so it's like, oh, okay, I'm receiving this intuitive hit and then processing all the emotional and stuff that comes up in relation to that so that we can take the inspired action. (laughs) Yeah, so much. What are some of your favorite ways to really align your energy on a daily basis? Um, At the moment, it's dance. So I was heavily bullied in high school for my weight and had such a traumatic time with my body from a very young age. I had really bad digestive issues and autoimmune disorders and, yeah, gained a lot of weight in high school and was really heavily bullied for it. And so at the same time, (laughs) my shadow of reaction was huge. Like I had so much anger in my system that I didn't know what to do with it. And so I went into complete numbing. So from the age of 15, I started smoking weed every day. And when I went into the corporate world, I went further into like party mode and drinking all the time and 
looking back, I can see that I was just trying to fill a void from knowing that I was so far off my path. <laughs> but, you know, I, I built up this lifestyle to go with the paycheck. So I spent 15 years not being in my body after the first 15 years of my life, just feeling like I was in this physical form that was falling apart all the time. So I never learned to enjoy being in a body and, you know, I'm, I'm very much a star seed. And sometimes I feel like, uh, where's my light body? Like this thing doesn't make any sense. <laughs> to me. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> and my mother is, <laughs> she's a bit of a punk. She's a bit of a rebel and she likes really loud music. And that's always been the way that our family comes together is we listen to really loud music and we dance, which is amazing. And so it's really been in the last little while that I've really lent into dance being this form of reconnecting to my physical form and almost learning to enjoy it for the first time. And when I talk about dance, it's that embodied dance. That's not, I'm going to dance like this. It's really having a conversation with my body of how do you want to move? And then of course, like breath work and, you know, the shamanic processing of shaking the body and just really getting into the energetic side of exploring the feelings of my physical form and the sensations that come with unprocessed emotions. Mm, those unprocessed emotions are massive. I'm actually in the midst of trauma therapy and I'm thinking, oh, do I really like, why am I going down this path? Seriously? Like I've done so much work on myself already. It's all tiny shifts. You know, I keep waiting for this massive thing. I do something and all of a sudden the heavens open up and my whole life changes. But I look at those little micro moments bit by bit by bit by bit with everything that I do and continue to do. And my life looks fucking nothing like it did last year or the year before or the year before, then I realize, okay, yep, this is creating the change. Mm, yeah. It's such a beautiful point because I think we so often see other people's, you know, the snippets of their journey that they choose to share through social media or whatever. And it's like, oh, when am I going to get there? You know, I want to be there. I want to get the thing. I want to get through this. I want to have it all done. But it's being able to have those moments of like, oh, I'm really doing it, you know, and celebrating that and having that moment of, oh, good job, me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> all those little one degree shifts are really, really adding up to something. And it's, you know, I have those moments sometimes where I, I have a situation come up that my old self would have reacted to massively and I don't, or, you know, I, I actually go, you know what, I just need to remove myself from this situation and just go and move my body and process this emotion. It's like, oh, wow, I'm really not the same person anymore. So I totally relate to that. Yeah. And the body, the body issues, I'm glad you spoke about that because nearly every woman I know has experienced some kind of body issue. Mm. And I always felt ashamed of even having body issues because I think I was really fat as a baby, you know, up to two years old. And my parents said it's because I nearly died at birth. And so they wanted to make sure that when I got sick again, I had that weight to lose. Or so There was some kind of story behind it. Mm. And I remember mum always saying that I was this really fat, ugly baby. And you don't realize how much your body soaks up that information when you're a kid. 
And so I was never really fat growing up, but I always felt fat, always. Mm. And when my best friend died when we were 17, I, I went from maybe a size 8 or 10 to a size 12, something like that. And I'm only five foot three, so a 12 for me is different to a 12 on someone that's six foot. But um, I, I felt so disgusting mm. and hated myself even more and, oh, I, I refused to wear bathers, I refused to be seen. Then I got into weed a hell of a lot more and realised that it was amazing at, like, keeping the weight off. I could eat Maccas plus meals plus chips plus half a carton of beer with my partner at the time and... And still I've got down to a size six doing that life, drinking, smoking, partying, eating Mm. whatever the fuck I wanted. I was a size six and felt fat. I wouldn't wear bathers. I did not want to be seen. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was embarrassed naked because I thought my tiny, tiny little size six pop belly should not be there. And do you know that body shame was with me all through that you know, I had my parents saying, you look anorexic and go numb fat, feel sick, feel disgusting, took laxatives to get from the 12 down to a 10 at one stage. And I noticed only yesterday how much that I have changed without realizing it in that body image phase. Mm. I was kicking the footy with my five-year-old yesterday and he got angry that, I don't know, I did a dodgy kick or something. And he looked at me, I don't know where it came from. And he yelled out, you're fat. I'm going, oh, that's interesting. And not one part of it landed. Not Mm. one part of that landed in my body. And I just went, holy fuck, I'm not a size six anymore. I have a tummy because I really like chocolate and, you know, probably Mm. haven't been treating my body as well as I could have lately. Going through all this trauma stuff, I've definitely been emotionally eating and not one part of his words landed. I saw it as the hilariousness of what it actually was and, yeah, his way of expressing anger. Yeah, that's when I noticed how much those little micro moments of change for me have impacted. Mm, That's so amazing. Because prior to that I would have felt shame. I would have taken it on. Mm. See, I'm still in the midst of processing it all and growing through it. So I, similar to you, you know, when I was – in the party mode and numbing from all the emotions that I chose not to feel, I got down to a size eight, which was the smallest I've ever been in my life and suddenly was getting attention from boys and all the things and felt good in the, in the way that I looked. And looking back on photos now, I look at my face and I'm like, you look so unhappy, like just it's like I'm not there And around the same time that I stopped smoking weed, which was um, just after my 30th birthday, I had been through this really traumatic period in my life and tried to move to Byron Bay to like make it as an artist and had fallen in love with a DJ and he was wanting to be with someone else and just all this stuff. And my body just started changing. And in the space of three months, I put on 15 kilos just like that, didn't change my diet, nothing, and ended up with chronic fatigue and just got really sick. And it wasn't until just a month, two months ago, I started seeing this kinesiologist and she picked up that I'd had a parasite in my in my system for the last five years. And so wow. I've had like 
I put on about 20 kilos and just haven't been able to shift it. And my health has been all over the place for the last five years. And I've been blaming my body Mm. and beating myself up and yelling at the universe and going, is this what I get for actually starting to look after myself? Like I don't do drugs anymore. I stopped drinking 11 years ago. I've stopped, like, I don't smoke anymore. I'm like, and this is what I get. I get to feel like worse (laughs) and put on all this weight. Like this is not okay. And so when she said, you know, you've had a parasite that's completely wiped out your gut bacteria and you couldn't have lost weight even if you wanted to. It's been this process of like, oh, my God, body, I'm so sorry. Like you didn't do anything wrong. You just were trying to deal with this onboarder who's. (laughs) And, yeah, so I'm really in this space now of, of learning to listen to my body for the first time. And now that the parasites have been cleared out, I can start hearing what she wants instead of trying to tell her what's best for her. And that's been a huge shift for me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole thing, right? Like you obviously got that parasite for a message for yourself and it just takes so long sometimes to acknowledge that that's what is actually happening. Yeah. And it was at a time where I was trying to, again, trying to force myself down a path that wasn't for me. And so it's that universal like, no, you need to go back this way. (laughs) but I didn't get the message and it's taken me quite a few years, but now it feels like I'm in this space of actually learning it, you know, and getting it and listening and starting to come more from the space of my body and my heart and my intuition instead of my mind, like, which has been the controlling force in my life for longer than I would like to admit. Yeah. But that's the embodiment piece for me. You know, I, I've i been studying self-development and spirituality for 20 years, but I've really only been embodying it for two. Knowing all the information and reading all the books and having it all in my mind was one thing, but it wasn't translating into the body. And so it was just information. But when we actually embody it, that's when it becomes true lived, experienced wisdom. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that. As a Gemini, everything is up in my fucking head all the time. I'm also a line one, so I have this obsession with research. No wonder I became a journalist. And it's I need to know more. I need to know more. I need to know more. So all my life I've been consuming information and not doing anything with it. And so that embodiment piece for me uh, through Jared and Abby have really helped me actually understand what true embodiment is before it was just a word like, yeah, yeah, I'm embodying it. I'm doing stuff. I wasn't. (laughs) I was half-assing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a amazing shaman slash medical anthropologist, um, who have been reading a lot of his work. His name's Alberto Violdo. And one of his quotes is, if it doesn't translate into the body, it's just an idea. Oof. Like, oh, that's been the last like 20 years of my life. <laughs> yes, likewise. Yeah. I'm knowing all this stuff. Why isn't anything changing? Exactly. Yeah. My life should be amazing on paper because I've done this course and read this book and listened to all the podcasts and done all the things. <laughs> like, but even 
It's still a reprogramming. So I actually went to embodiment retreat with Jared and Abby a few months ago. And since coming back, I haven't done the things. I went and had the experience and shared so much stuff. And then coming back, I feel like I've let myself down in the integration piece because I haven't committed to the daily work. Cause I was like, oh, well, I did heaps of work on myself and like cried more than I've ever cried in my life and like released so much stuff. And it's really just been in the last two days, like I've been in a funk for the last week, like and my body is really sore and heavy and like, oh, I haven't been doing my practices. And I've gone back into that mentality of very mind-based trying to fix my life. And because it's, again, my body, my mind's like, oh, it's physical health, therefore it's a physical problem, therefore there's a physical solution. So you just have to change your diet. Yeah. Like, no, it's a multidimensional problem because I'm a multidimensional being and so it's a multidimensional solution. It's not just one facet. It's that compartmentalizing again. Yeah. Like, oh, one mind. Like we, we know this isn't how it works. Like <laughs> I know, right? Logic and logic are two different things. Totally, totally. But I think sometimes part of that after those big events, sometimes, you know, like the unfolding and the not doing is part of the integration because it's such a massive thing that you've just been through. Mm. And I, yeah, I, I totally think that sometimes that unraveling of it all and resistance and the not doing is part of the integration for me personally anyway. And then I'll come out of that and things are better. But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. There must be something going on cosmically that I, I haven't looked into lately, but I have been totally in resistance to my practices. I sat down and did breath work again yesterday and just thought, why the fuck have I been resisting this? This feels so good. Right? Like, oh my God, I'm like in bliss. Why am so I not doing I, this every day? <laughs> I have a story that I'd love to share about the bliss. So as you're talking about like allowing the integration, I did devotion, which was a five-day online yep. really deep emotional process with Jared and Abby. Then I went and did a three-night um, ayahuasca ceremony and then I went to embodiment. So that was in a space of three weeks. So it was like quantum leaping, quantum leaping. But in the ayahuasca, the first night was very much felt like the medicine was just preparing my field. The second night was my mind trying to cling on to this reality and grandmother was just like stripping it away and getting me to a place of surrender. And it was absolutely terrifying. Like my mind was trying to hold on to anything. And she was like, Nope, it's just, you just need to let go and surrender. And that was terrifying. And it was really hard because my mind was like, but my reality, that's everything that I know. And, you know, just in that space of total disillusionment and just so much confusion. And then the third night, it was complete and utter bliss. It was like grandmother was like, I am downloading the bliss codes into your system. This is you're having a direct communication with God. And it was overwhelming. Like I couldn't handle it and I kept going into resistance and going, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's too much, it's too good. Ah. And then I was reflecting on it afterwards and I'm like, how often do I do that? How often do I stop myself from letting it be really good? 
And it's like the polarity, right, of the depth that you're willing to go to means that you can swing back the other way to the high states of bliss. But it's almost like they're just as hard to allow ourselves to feel as the grief, the anger, the rage, the like quote unquote negative emotions. It was pretty confronting of like, oh my God, I'm actually like, even if everything I wanted in my life showed up on my doorstep, would I even let it in? (laughs) Yeah. It's too good. It feels too good. Yeah. But it's like, okay, now I get to work through allowing myself to feel that good. And I'm like, how much of my experience with my body has me been creating something to stop myself from feeling really good? Like it's such a curious exploration of just, am I willing to let myself feel true pleasure and bliss and all of those states that we say that we want when we get them, how willing are we to lean in? I so, so understand that, especially with that numbing, you know, that you and I are both so familiar with because I don't allow myself it's not even, I didn't even think I was not allowing it. I was just, yeah, whatever, like shit happens. I'd watched someone die, like this is nowhere near as bad. And so I never allowed myself to feel anything really, which also meant I didn't feel the highs. I'd look at people that were like jumping around in excitement and I'm going, why don't I feel that? I want some of that, but I don't, I don't feel the lows. I don't feel the highs. I've like cut myself off of emotion almost. And going through this trauma therapy, I was so sick leading up to this session that I was about to have. I'm going, no, I can't do it. I'm going to spew. I feel disgusting. I've My head's hurting. I need to lie down. She said, muscle test your body. My body was like, no, you're fine to do it. I'm going, why do I not feel fine? I feel so sick. So I was allowed to lie down. I don't even remember most of it. But afterwards, I managed to crawl to my altar and then thought, no, my daughter's Lou was like next door and I thought there's no way I can peer down there and yuck. Mm -hmm. So I managed to get to my bathroom and lie in the bottom of the shower for about an hour, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't move. I couldn't do a thing. I felt like I was going to vomit. I felt sick. I just felt, I, I, I just couldn't move. I was stuck at the bottom of the shower floor. And at some stage when I think I finally surrendered to that, instead of trying to, you know, force myself to get out or to do something, I finally just went, yep, I'm fucked. (laughs) I'm on the floor. I'm fucked. I can't move. I'm just going to go with this for a while. Suddenly my whole body started feeling pleasure. And normally to me, pleasure was like in my genitals. That's, that's where it was. Um, But it was my whole body and it started just slowly seeping into every cell and I can't move still. What is happening? And Mm. I think that went on for a good 20 minutes or more of absolute pleasure that got more intense and more intense. And, you know, my whole body just exploded in pleasure, still with me unable to move on the floor. And I've never experienced anything like it, but that's that's the sort of communication your body can have with you when you allow yourself to really release and surrender to what's truly possible. And like, I'm still mind blown by that, but it's like, holy fuck, I've never allowed myself to experience any type of pleasure like that before. Mm. And it's when you allow yourself, the extremes of both are so truly possible. Yeah. And it's, that's such a beautiful experience. I love that. And just that you were able to get to that point of just, okay, well, whatever, you know, and I feel like, (laughs) So much of our 
resistance stops us from getting to that space. But it's also, I don't think you can force yourself to get there. My friend said to me years ago, surrender. It's a really easy word to say. Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, yeah, you can't force yourself to get to that space, you know. So it's it's really intangible sometimes because it's like there's no specific process to get to letting go and it's like you can't say to someone in the throes of like a panic attack, just let it go, like just let go and surrender it because it might punch you. Yeah. It's like this dance of, and I think it's like a muscle, you know, the more you allow yourself to lean into the breath and releasing and and actually letting go, then it's like the next time something comes up, you go, oh, I've had that really visceral experience of what is possible when I do just surrender to it. But yeah, it's so interesting because it's not, it's not like a 10 step 10 steps to letting go of all your, <laughs> your hang-ups like this. <laughs> no. Not and for me that. it's always, you know, something always happens that forces me to surrender. It leaves me absolutely no choice. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's very common for us humans, you know. It sometimes takes a complete crisis for people to start questioning and looking at things differently, which is one of the reasons that I think that, COVID is a blessing because it's just made so many people shift their perspective in such a huge way that we're seeing this chain reaction of people waking up and stepping into consciousness and, you know, unplugging from the matrix and starting to realize that there's so much more available to us and there's so much more going on behind the scenes that we aren't being told and, you know, all of that. So it's it's an interesting one. It is. And that waking up, you know, that used to be a dirty word for me. Like, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of weird hippies. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) But the waking up from what I'm seeing with people that I never thought would embrace this whole thing looks different for everyone. Mm. And that's what I'm really loving seeing right now. It's not a certain path of spirituality or this or personal development. It's, do you know what? I've always wanted I've always wanted to ride a bike and I've never done it. I'm going to start doing that. It can look so different for everyone. And it's actually just, again, it's allowed us to surrender and do things that we've put off for so long because we're too busy working or we're too busy doing this or we're too busy parenting or whatever. Mm. And it's allowing ourselves to actually just go, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And it's like, if you think about it, like we were all tucked up in a really cozy bed and then COVID came and kicked us out into the cold. And so it's almost like people are getting more comfortable with the discomfort of stepping into their discomfort zone. And so that's allowing this space of growth because that's how we grow is to, you know, get out of the comfy bubble that we were living in. And I think especially in Australia and in the Western world, we were taking a lot for granted. I know I was. And I remember when COVID started, I was like, I am in such a privileged position. If I don't start using my voice and sharing my wisdom, I'm shit, you know? <laughs> like I've yeah. got, similar to you, like I've got the camera, I've got the microphone, I've got a ring light, I've got all the equipment, everything at my fingertips to broadcast my voice across the whole planet. And I'm not doing it because I weigh a few more kilos than I want to. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just this moment of like, what are you even doing? Like, that is ridiculous. 
And so that's one of the reasons that I've, and it's taken me, you know, another year to get to this place, but it's like, what have I got to lose really? I think one of the reasons that I'm being called to podcasting and YouTube specifically is I had this thought of like, if I had my awakening right now, the first thing I would do is get the hell off social media. Like I'd be like unplugging and going on YouTube and going, what the fuck is happening to me? You know? Yeah. (laughs) And so it didn't, doesn't make sense for me to keep pouring all my energy into putting all my content on social media when the people who need wisdom and need guidance and need someone there to go, it's all right, this is what's happening and this is, you know, some of the tools you can use, all of that probably aren't on social media right now because it'd be too much. Yeah, it can get too much for sure. I love that you've said that. One thing I've noticed too, and it's it's a whole podcast in itself, is the whole comparison thing. But, you know, for me, I see so many people looking amazing, you know, when they're podcasting and they've got all the lighting right and they've got everything perfect for them to be sharing their videos and doing all of that. And someone said to me the other day, but Sally, you pretty much never do your hair. You know, you don't really give a fuck what you look like or you'd spend an hour in the mornings doing it. Like you just, it's not something that I think about. I'd rather get out and do something else. And then halfway through the day, I'm going, fuck, I haven't even done my hair today and look at everyone else around me. So it's not a priority for me. They said, why aren't you just sharing that about yourself? Like, why do you have to then be who you're not just to be seen? It's like, Mm. oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. The comparison thing is so huge. So huge. Yeah. But it's like one of the guys that I follow on YouTube who is, you know, he's made millions and millions of dollars just from YouTube and he's like, you just start messy. And when he shares his first episode, it is hilarious because he's literally just like deadpan, this is how I'm going to (laughs) talk and I'm just going to share it how it is. And it's like we just get to start messy from exactly where we are and I think one of the things that is so easy to forget is that people just want realness. You know, they want your, you, they just want you and your energy. And it's that energetic vibration again. And this is something I have to continually remind myself of because I am an artist and I love, I'm attracted to visually aesthetically pleasing things and beauty. And so I get an idea in my head of how things should look and then it doesn't look like that. And so I get discouraged and I have to keep bringing myself back to, it's got nothing to do with me. It's absolutely got nothing to do with me. This is my gift and my soul's mission expressing through me. And so it's got nothing to do with what my hair looks like today. It's got nothing to do with whether I look a bit chubby in the face. Like it's actually not why people are tuning into your energy and your content. It's actually the wisdom and the the frequency that you're emitting. So it's it's so interesting, that comparison paralysis. And they don't even notice what we notice. They just don't. Like my daughter taught me that if I just put two little clips in my hair, it looks like I've done it. And it's like, wow. And so I do that now and it it does, you know, because I've naturally wavy hair. So it's not like I need to straighten it or do anything like that, which I did for years. And it just, holy shit. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I can never put effort in because I love to dress up as well and to look pretty. Like who doesn't? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's changed my whole perspective. And other people don't notice it. If I notice that I've got this little 
pimple on my lip or something, I don't know. No one even notices that stuff but ourselves. We're so critical. Yeah. And we we notice all of our flaws and don't pay attention to the bits that are amazing. I had this experience recently where someone said, oh, how long does it take you to do your hair in the morning? And I was like, I I don't, I don't get my eyebrows done. I don't do any of that. And she was like, your eyebrows are immaculate and your hair looks amazing all the time. And I was like, actually, I'm really lucky. Like if I just wash my hair and let it go, it looks great. But I never focus on that. I never celebrate that I have beautiful eyes and my skin is immaculate. It's always like, oh, this bit, oh, if that was just like that, it's so ridiculous. But then someone else will look at like a photo of you and be like, oh, like your eyes are so magnetic and, you know, they notice the bits that they judge in themselves. So it's almost always this comparison going on. It's, uh, it is. Our society has so much to answer for that. Like that fucking that, does. I look back on photos of myself from 10 years ago of where I was feeling old, disgusting, hating on myself so much. Mm. And I'm going, oh God, I wish I still looked like that, you know, and I did not celebrate myself in that moment. I was hating on myself in that moment. And it's like, oh, I actually looked pretty darn good. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, how can we lean more into celebrating the bits that we do love? I think it's it's like a gratitude practice. You know, the more that you focus on the good things, the more that your brain will be trained to see those. It's the same with how we look. Yeah, so much so. Oh my gosh, I've loved this conversation. It has just filled my heart with little bliss codes actually, which I knew would happen. I knew before we even started that it was going to be fun. And yes, it has been. I know you haven't got your YouTube channel up just yet. So for anyone that's going, do you know what? I want to get off social media. I want to see what you're sharing. How can we find you? Um, My podcast is ERA podcast, E-R-A, and it's on Spotify. It's on Apple. Um, The YouTube channel will be called just Lauren Monty, M-O-N-T-Y. I have got video versions of all the podcasts that I'm going to put up as well. Um, So that'll be on my channel. And hopefully by the time people listen to this, my YouTube channel will be up, which is a good incentive to actually just do it. (laughs) Yeah, fuck it. It's going to be up. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And it is done. Um, And I hang out on Instagram as well a fair bit, which is just Lauren Monty underscore era. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a juicy conversation and I just adore you. Like I remember that first moment seeing you crack open in Unify and I was like, oh, this woman is amazing. So thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for seeing the beauty in that process. Oh, it was such a gift to witness. Yeah. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be ever so grateful and it would really help a girl out if you'd share the love. Subscribe, rate and review so others can find us too. Much love.